Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Well, the streak lives on, 19 in a row, tying Lombardi's Packers. And you know what? This tying the Hunter Kid looks good. Yes, welcome back in. The streak lives on, 19 in a row now, 19 preseason games matching the the old Green Bay Packers. So that's a statistic that I'm sure we're going to get into. My name is Gazpul. I am once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet. Sadly, there's only a couple of them today. We've got Ben Mortimer and Ian Demain with us. However, we are once again joined by UK Ravens royalty. The original owner of the UK Ravens Twitter handle now working for PFF, amongst a lot of other things. We're pleased to introduce Gordon McGuinness. Welcome to the show, Gordon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No, the pleasure is absolutely all ours. How are we doing, Ben? Ian, how's things? Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Good to be back with you. Yeah, good, good guys. Good to see you. Uh, if no one else can. Good, good stuff. So let's jump straight into it. We've got quite a lot to get through this week with the game view of the Panthers and looking ahead to next week's game against the football team, who may have a name by the next time we do this. So Gordon, let's dive straight to you and we'll have the Wire Raven conversation. Tell us a bit about yourself. What got you into the NFL and of all the teams, why the Baltimore Ravens? So I think it was around about the age of 15. Um and I kind of accidentally fell into American football. I was trying to avoid doing my homework one night and I was in my room and my mum was kind of giving me grief for the fact that I'd clearly said I was going to do my homework and wasn't. <laughs> so I was like flicking through TV channels and she came into my room to be annoyed that I was not doing my homework. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to do it. I'm just, I'm watching this. And she kind of called my bluff on it. It was like, you don't watch American football. So... She sits down next to me and is like, all right, I'll watch a bit with you. And it was, I think it was the Ravens Raiders AFC Championship game. So I just kept watching it for a little bit just to, because I wanted to prove her wrong. Um, and after like maybe 10, 15 minutes, I was like, this is like, this is quite interesting. Like there's clearly a lot going on here. Um, so I kept watching, uh, then watched the Super Bowl a couple of weeks later. I like didn't really know a whole lot of what was going on. Like, I'd seen the Ravens the week before, so I'd hoped they would win the game, or two weeks before, I think it was, hoped they would win the game, but, you know, not in any kind of deep fan way. And then the next, like, year or so, uh, like, I'd got Madden, maybe, like, 2000 or something like that, whatever it was, played that a little bit, like, learned a little bit more about the game that way, and then probably about midway through the next season, after the Ravens had won the Super Bowl, and that was the year whereby, you know, they'd replaced Trent Delfer with Elvis Gerback. Like, they were going through quite a bit of turmoil trying to even make the playoffs. And I just found myself getting, like, more and more hooked into it. Like, I loved the kind of American pageantry that goes with the sport, all that stuff. I, I was a huge wrestling fan growing up, so I kind of always loved that kind of pageantry that comes with it. And and from that point on, was just hooked that off-season. Got really fired into draft stuff and really excited about all that. And, and it just grew and grew from there. So, yeah, I guess it's just coincidental that you happen to be watching a Ravens game that, that made you pick the Ravens. Why the Ravens over the Raiders? I, I think it was just something about, like, that Ravens defense was, was brilliant. You could see, like, the intensity they had in the game. And 
It's probably a lot to do with Ray Lewis as well, because throughout that game, I think they kept like focusing on him and you know his whole bravado and rah rah style and everything like that. Like, just it, it was something that was very hard to not be drawn to. Um, and I just like the fact that I remember even early on feeling like people didn't like them and didn't want them to be good, but they just had this kind of brash way of doing things. I think I remember saying this to people a while ago. It almost felt a little bit like they they had like a kind of old style Scottish football thing about them. Like there's no flair. It's just hurt people. Just, you know, make make your opponent have a horrible time throughout the game and hopefully you win it. And I think that's just what kind of drew me to it. You think um, Tony Siragusa falling on Rich Gannon accidentally may have uh, influenced your thinking a bit there as well? Pro- probably just a little bit, yeah. So in 2001, uh, Gordon, when you kind of really got into the Ravens uh, post-Super Bowl, um, and well done, by the way, I'm sticking with them throughout Elvis Gerbach's uh, only <laughs> season. That was also the year I moved to Baltimore, so it's the first year I got into it. Did you feel that uh, in that year you were kind of isolated in the UK, or did you actually come across any other in that first year UK Ravens fans? Yeah, that, that first year, I, I didn't even have like a connection with other American football fans. Like No one at my school was watching it. At that point, like I think we still had dial-up internet then. Um, so it's not like it was, you know, forums and stuff hadn't really massively taken off and all that stuff. So it was very much just watching it on my own. And even then, you couldn't even watch the games. I remember watching, you know, like the helmet would move up and down the screen on NFL.com and listening to like the team radio and stuff like that. So it was like a weird, isolated thing. Like if you compare it to what it is now, it's like a totally different community type feel. Yeah, Dave mentioned last week that the helmets moved up the screen. There's somebody who didn't get into the NFL until late 2000, early 2013. It, it, it blows my mind that you guys are that committed to to sit there and, and watch a helmet go up the screen and, and get enjoyment out of it. It's it's nuts to think about. Yeah, and you would, anytime there was like a big play, like it would obviously come up, you know, it would have, so like you would just see, and in that season with Elvis Gerback, you would see like an interception return. You just see the the helmet flip to the other team, and the helmet just kind of slowly move all the way. You're like, oh, great! This is not it's not going great. So taking it uh, forward a little bit in in time, but not too much. Uh, I think the internet sped up sufficiently for you to then sort of show your head on a on a message board, which is probably how you ended up kind of coming across other UK fans. Is that right? Yeah. So it was through a. I think it was through like a UK um, for, it was, I can't remember what, this is the, the chicken or the egg thing that I can never remember. I met Ben Stockwell, who's like the head of data collection at PFF, now also a Ravens fan. I met him on a message board, and I'm not sure if it was a UK NFL message board or the Ravens message board, but whatever one, he introduced me to the other one. Um, but that that was brilliant because you could get, and I remember it was Ravens 24-7 at the time, which is now Russell Street Report. And you would get like all the rumours of who they were going to sign and all the stuff leading up to the draft and all those things. And there was just, you know, there was like a community of a good couple of hundred people always talking about stuff, people who had opinions. That was back in the day where everyone, well, I suppose everyone still does, but everyone fights on the internet. So the forum would descend into fights all the time. I was definitely involved in far too many of them. So yeah, it was, uh, it was an entertaining time. Yeah, you mentioned like people fighting fighting on the internet and finding out when new players are coming to town. Like 
it, being involved in the early days of that, because as someone who has never been big into forums, I'm not particularly big into Twitter. Where where did these rumors come from? Like when you were on the forums, did you have people in there who were actually linked to the team, or was a lot of it just sort of fabricated and got blown out of proportion very quickly? I, I honestly don't know, especially because I was younger at the time. Like there were people who claimed to be in the know. And I think there were a few who like had connections through media and stuff that probably had ways of getting a little bit of information. But there were probably also people who were like, I've heard this and it was just something they'd entirely made up in their head. I mean, I think there were some actual... Uh, I, I know the teams. the team watched the message boards. I'm not sure they really posted on them, but there were some media personalities that kind of went as aliases on those boards that were... Uh, I found out a few years later who they were, and it was a bit surprising how vitriolic they'd been on on the board. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I think it was through the board uh, uh, that eventually you kind of decided to take the plunge and come over for a game. What was the first game that you went to see in person? It was uh, Ravens Browns. Uh, I think it was Joe Flacco's rookie year, and it was so Dave Cressy, who you guys know, he, me and him had been emailing and also communicating on the message board. And he'd been over the year before, I think it was. And I'd said to him, like, I'm going to be able to, I can afford to go over this year. And he kind of, I'd never been over before. So he took the reins with a lot of the organising. And it was actually Ben who we stayed with um, for three nights, I think it was. Yeah. Landed in Baltimore, went out, got some beers. We went to Maryland against, I'm going to say Rutgers, I think that might be right, on the Saturday and then Ravens-Browns on the Sunday. And I got to experience about five hours of tailgate before um, the game, which was great. Do you remember much of the game or do you just remember the tailgate? I remember like the first half. The second <laughs> half's are like a little bit hazy. Did you have to fill out one of Dave's famous Wire Raven sheets and, and get yourself checked off before he let you on the plane and, and over with him? Absolutely. Um, Did you? I, remember, I remember having to fill that out for the old website and... Whatever, wherever it was he had it, yeah, I definitely filled that in. Um, and then also we wound up on WNST, the one that Nestor um, owns or owned. We wound up on his radio show just talking talking about stuff, and I was like, yeah, you know, we're flying over like 5,000 kilometres, and he was completely unimpressed. Like, yeah, I flew to see them in San Diego. That's still about 5,000 kilometres. I was like, all right, okay. Never change, Nestor. <laughs> and, and also I have to throw in because i'm talking about going to actual games in person you made if i recall anyway a fairly last minute decision to go to a game that you're probably glad you ended up going to away in 2012 what what which which game was that so yeah so I, i went to two very much last minute decisions so i was due to get married in the august and that did not happen um and around the january um I had disposable income that was going to be going towards a wedding and was now not. Uh, the Ravens beat the Texans to go to the AFC Championship game. And I remember emailing Ben and I was like, is this is this stupid? Like, am I being ridiculous with this? And he was like, no, if you get the chance, just do it. Go for it. So I, I booked flights over, booked like a bus trip. Again, I think it was with WNST. They were doing like a bus trip up to New England. I flew in the, the Friday, I think it was. Um, the Saturday we went up to Providence, I think, and went through to Foxborough. That was the Billy Cundiff miss, so the 
five-hour bus journey back to Baltimore was pretty horrible. Um, but that just made me really want to go back again. So the following year, I'd set, and that was my first year at PFF, I'd set some money aside in, to enable me to go if the Ravens made it. So when they were playing the Colts in the wild card round and the whole Ray's last dance thing, I was sitting there with like flights ready for, for Denver. Um, just ready and I think we had to wait for whatever other game or we might have known from the Saturday night but straight away booked and got to go to the, the Mile High Miracle game um, in Denver and that was wow. Denver has like a, a huge group of Ravens fans over there like displaced that all meet up um, and it was just like a three day party atmosphere it was incredible What was it like being in the stadium for what will probably go down as the, one of the best moments in Ravens history? <laughs> So this this is not a fun admission. Uh, I was in the bathroom for the Joe Flacco uh, touchdown to Jacoby Jones. So in my defense, the only time I've been colder was the year before um, in New England. I was up maybe about seven rows from the back. Uh, it was so cold that the beers I was drinking were turning into slush right in front of me. So I'd had like four or five beers and I'd really needed to pee for about two hours. <laughs> Peyton Manning drives, scores, that sinking feeling. I'm like, I, I can't, I, I need to pee now. So I'm waiting in line to pee and just hear the groans of the Broncos fans and then like the radio thing coming over. And I was like, oh my God, they've actually, they've actually tied it. And then I then got to enjoy overtime, at least at that point. But uh, sadly, for as good as an experience it was going to that game, I was in the bathroom for that play. <laughs> what a, that is that is one wow. of the all-time confessions on this show. That's going to be <laughs> tough one to beat. We're only four episodes in, but I think that one will hang there as a incredible confession for a year or so to come. Yeah. So we we talked about how you got into the NFL. We talked about how you got into Ravens, and I guess we've 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 missed a a big period of time out where. You now obviously you do some work for PFF. You're you're really active on on Twitter and active with the Ravens. Just talk to us about the last few years. Yeah, so the PFF thing was also through a message board, um, and it was so Ben Stockwell had got me onto this UK fans message board, and it just so happened that Neil Hornsby, who founded PFF, was on the board, and he developed this thing that he was looking into doing. He was taking it from a hobby to a kind of hobby plus it wasn't really moving into definitely this is what it's going to be and was looking for more people to just help out little bits and I, I jumped at the chance I was working in Tesco at the time and had been for I think probably about six years and I wound up there for another couple after that so I just really wanted to, to get involved with that I did it part-time during the season for two years and the year after the Ravens won the Super Bowl um, I got the opportunity to take a full-time job in the August and then, I, like, I, I don't want to say that I haven't worked very hard because I do work very hard to, to, you know, have success at PFF. But also, I got really lucky in the sense that I was on the right forum at the right time. I got a full-time job. And the following year, Chris Collinsworth bought the majority stake in the company. So it then became like a proper career. Um, everyone who had a full-time job before, it was like pretty similar wage to what I was earning in Tesco. Chris Collinsworth bought the company and it became this very much like we're going to try and be something massive. And at PFF, I've had about eight different hats. I've 
ran our special teams data processes. I have ran social media and we're now branching out into other sports. So my main responsibility now is that I run our round ball football or soccer, depending on what way you want to call it. Um, I run those data operations. So it's been fun. It's Again, I think it's something that I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, but I'm very glad I did. As someone who runs the Twitter now, Gordon, I've only recently discovered the mute button, which is, which is a godsend. I imagine working for PFF, you put something out there, you must get so many tweets telling you you're wrong, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. How Did that bother you at the start? Did you, or did you just brush that off straight away? And No, it, it definitely did. Um, and that's one thing working in social media, and, and you'll know this if you have the, the UK Ravens handle yourself, like any amount of negativity when you just see it, it, it can totally bring you down. And at first, I I just had to develop this thing whereby I was like, I'm not going to get bothered by those replies. I'm just not going to, you know, there's, you could post something that's perfect and you're going to find eight people who are still going to tell you you're wrong and it's terrible and you hate it. So I either a lot of the time just don't, don't look at the replies a little bit, like don't read the comments when you write an article but just know that there's always going to be someone that doesn't like it. So don't don't get too offended. So we're all thinking it. So let's just address the elephant in the room. As a Ravens fan, what do you think of um, PFF's rating on Lamar Jackson this over the last few months? So I, I disagree with where, and I think it was Sam Monson's list. I disagree that Sam didn't have him in the top 50. I appreciate Sam's perspective on it because he wrote an article explaining his reasons and I don't think his reasons are necessarily wrong I just still would have had him in the in the top I, I mean I would have, even even after last season which was a bit of a down year in the COVID um, delay that put him out I would still have him in the top 30 because I think the high point of Lamar Jackson is that he's one two or three in the NFL so I disagreed with that is that just because the ranking system is based on a traditional quarterback numbers and Lamar isn't a traditional drop-back quarterback? He is something different. And does that skew the statistics because you're, you're looking at it in a more statistical fashion rather than just what you've got in front of you on the field? So it's an interesting one that I think our grading system everything's constantly developing and constantly moving forward. It might be that in a couple of years' time, like we look into stuff and have the opinion that actually we didn't value the the running stuff enough. The flip side of that, though, is our research and development guys have done quite a bit of studies into it and and already have found ways that the Ravens' offense, like running the ball, is not generally the most efficient thing in the world. If you're a team that just turn and hand the ball off to a running back, isn't the most efficient thing in the world. The Ravens running game, because of Lamar Jackson, is much more efficient. And like one of the things in analytics is expected points added per play. It's very rare for a team to have a positive expected points added on runs over the course of a season. And I think the Ravens have done it two years in a row now, or three if you include when Lamar took over. So it's easy to focus on some of those lists and stuff like that. There's a lot of people and a lot of content at PFF that is very pro Ravens because they're a very smart organization. I just disagreed with Sam's list. It's probably the having a rooting interest. Do you find it hard personally when you're ranking players to not think 
I like Patrick Queen more than another inside linebacker because he's got that purple uniform on. Or is that something over the years you've been able to disengage yourself from? Yeah, over, and I think I'm quite lucky in the sense that for me at PFF, it was like about five years after doing part-time work before I was doing much in the way of content. So by that point, I was very much like looking at it from quite a quite a black and white analytical perspective. But you can definitely see like it's like I know and not necessarily in putting lists together and stuff like that, but I I know that like Lamar Jackson's my favorite player in the NFL to watch just now. So when I tweet from my own account, I know I'm definitely very biased towards him. So I think there's always going to be a little bit of that. Following your account, Gordon, around the draft time, you get very involved in it. And there's a, a big Ravens draft Twitter. There's a few guys who like to take the lead and tell everyone who the Ravens should be drafting and, and so on and so forth. I just wonder out of this class, like one, one player that you really like that the Ravens drafted, who you think their best draft pick was, and one guy you wish they had drafted who's, who's obviously playing somewhere else. I I really like both the first round picks. I I think I even did like we had a mock draft simulator at PFF, and a couple of days. In fact, no, it wasn't. It was Mike Renner, our lead draft analyst. His mock draft in the run up to it, the last one he did had Rashad Bateman and Afadiowe as the two Ravens picks. And I remember tweeting it out saying like, "This is possibly the perfect Ravens draft, with the exception of one of the other receivers." expecting to go early or fall in there. And for me, I love the two first-round picks because Bateman, I think, just fits like what they need. Lamar, for everything I think he's great at, if he's going to miss, can quite often miss a little bit high. So having a Rashad Bateman who extends the catch point and stuff like that will go and win tough passes, just, I think, helps elevate the offense. And Owe on the defensive side... Wink Martindale does such an amazing job of like changing things up on defense and getting the most out of players. And always just an athletic freak who is just like run, runs like cornerback speed, can lift, can leap, all those things. And I just think if you put him in a Wink Martindale defense, even even if he isn't a superstar as a as a pass rusher, I think Wink Martindale's gonna be able to scheme up like a ten sack season out of him as a rookie if things go the right way. And then on the, the reverse of that, the, the one guy I wish they'd drafted, I think I would have quite liked to see Elijah Molden, who I think's looked pretty good so far in preseason. That, for me, would have been a nice pick on the... But the Ravens are so loaded in the defensive backfield that, you know, I get why they didn't want to fill that need early. They are a team who consistently are replenishing the defensive back room, but he's a player who I think can be pretty good. Coming up to draft season, how many players do you watch is that something that you get heavily involved with or through what you do are you waiting until they're in a league and in a team before you really start diving into the tape on them so it's very much for me like it's now not tied to what I do work-wise and even when I was running the social media side like I had to know who players were and a little bit about them so I'll read our draft guides and stuff but I am lucky at working at PFF that I get access to the same tools that we have for for teams so if I want to, over my lunch break, watch cut-ups of players in, you know, heading into the draft, I can just go into our system, press a couple of buttons, and you know, I can just watch um, as I'm doing that. So it's something for me that's very much like a, a kind of pastime thing and a hobby. But I get to watch kind of as many players as I want to, basically. 
Okay, so another thing we've got going on before we get into the news is we are going to run some UK Ravens meetups. Now the whole Chestikoff virus has gone um, and we're able to hang out with some friends again, we're going to run a couple of meetups. So I'll throw it to Ben, who will tell you a little bit about what we've got planned and, and how you can be involved. Yes, indeed, Gaz. Very excited to hopefully see people in person again and, uh, and hopefully see a couple of wins as well. We've picked some games that... I think we've got a fair crack at winning as well. Well, certainly the first one. Um, so uh, the first meeting will be the 26th of September. And we are uh, having two meets, one in London, one in the North. Now, the North is still TBC. Um, we can advise now that the most likely Northern location will be Leeds uh, because we've done Manchester a couple of times. Leeds is quite nice and accessible on the train. And uh, Gaz will be uh, personally visiting some place, I think, tomorrow to, to make sure they're going to be able to uh, host. So that'll be uh, announced shortly. London, we've got Passyunk Avenue, which is uh, a... Um, even though it's a Philly-themed bar, the Eagles aren't playing that day. Uh, so uh, it does mean that uh, we've managed to secure, or Ian has managed to secure, um, a really nice-sounding uh, private space uh, that has, I think, three screens, and they do stream Game Pass. So it means that the uh, the, the, the game is, uh, is, uh, is guaranteed to be on. It's a good job because we're at the Lions, and uh, I think the chances of that being the Sky game are fairly slim in September. So, um, so that's the first game, at the Lions, 26th September. Second game, 12th of December, uh, at the Browns. So that probably will be a slightly tougher proposition, um, but this time it's been Belushi's that is secured in London by, uh, by Ian. That's got stadium seating, so you can uh, sit there, um, and not miss any of the action because you're on the, an elevated sort of seat pitch. Uh, I think they've got good uh, food and drink specials. Ian booked that a couple of years ago, and it was a great success. Those tickets are available both now. Uh, if you look at the UK Ravens Twitter and also the UK Ravens Facebook page, um, the clickable links are there where you can get your tickets. It's 10 quid. Um, there was a deposit payable, so it's £10 per person, but that does include a drink as well. I think I've got everything, Ian. Is that correct? Perfect. That sounds great. Yeah, well done. I had a really good time at Belushi's last time around. The photos looked great. We got, um, I said, let's be honest, we got a touch unlucky with the Northern meet um, last time we did it against the Bills. We got put in uh, the loft of a bar that had no lighting and we, we snapped the TV off the wall <laughs> just to try and plug a laptop in. It was a, it was a bit of a do. And then we saw all the photos coming out of Belushi's in your stadium seating and great looking food and i mean the loft sounded cool initially but the problem was that they hadn't figured out that we'd need to plug the laptop into the tv and the the tv was literally attached to the wall so i'm not sure that's ever been put back up properly by the bar but we just left we we sort of paid our bill and said see ya so okay let's jump into some actual ravens news then now with the the key thing i guess being lj fort's knee injury just to peek behind the curtain on the podcast we are recording this at 20 to 9 on Sunday night, the 22nd of August. So by the time you hear this on Thursday, you're probably going to know a little bit more about the injury than we do. But what we've got so far is it's a knee injury. It doesn't look good. It looks like an ACL. Gordon, how how much of an impact will losing LJ for have on this team or um, Millie Carrison and Patrick Queen ready to step up and, and take that job anyway? I think it has the potential to be a very underrated loss for them. Um, Fort is the definition of a guy who is like Bill Belichick's whole thing of he likes football players who are like six out of ten. 
but you know you're getting six out of ten every season out of that player. LJ Fort's not someone who's going to be the highest paid linebacker in the NFL, but you're going to get consistently solid play from him. And also he brings a fair bit of veteran experience there. It puts the Ravens now with Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison with a very young group of linebackers. Wouldn't surprise me if they go and try and sign someone in free agency now. I think, I could be wrong, but I think KJ Wright might still be available. And if he is, he's a potential option there. But it makes the the linebacker group something that, it, it gives you a range of outcomes on the linebackers that worries me a little bit. Because there's every chance that Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison take nice big steps forward and that's great and they're great players. There's every chance that they don't necessarily take that step forward in their second year and it could be a, a pretty big weakness on the defence. Patrick Queen looks really good so far though in, in the the limited snaps we've seen him play. He's, he's looking like he's taking that second year leap and having a preseason and a training camp seems to have done him really good. Apart from his god awful looking jerseys oh, looking really good six this for a linebacker's horrible i just, I just the, the weird thing with the numbers is like nine on the edge guys i think looks really cool like matthew judon and nine in new england looks great six on a linebackers is horrible I, I i really want patrick queen to be great and i think he has a very good chance to be what i saw in the first preseason game looked like he cleaned up a load of his um issues from his rookie season there was a little bit last night that wasn't quite as good again. And I just worry that he's always, he, 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 you know, kind of runs 100, 100 miles an hour. And the worry for me is that the game just never slows down enough for him. But if if he hits what he can be, then you're talking about a guy who can be like one of the top three to five linebackers in the NFL. Was it the Chiefs last year that just their entire game plan was we're going to run at Patrick Queen and put him into silly positions and, and see how he gets on. I, I vividly remember one game the commentators highlighting that they're just playing with Patrick Queen's mind now. Yeah, there, I think it was the Chiefs game that he really struggled. And then he really struggled against the Texans as well, but the Texans weren't able to ever take advantage of it. There was a few, like he could have given up, I think about 150 yards in coverage, if not for drop passes or overthrows. But, it's, you know, that's what happens when you draft players. You're You're hoping that, you're always hoping that you get the top range of the outcomes. You know, and sometimes it's just never going to happen. And I think people always or don't appreciate how difficult it is to play linebacker in the NFL in 2021 because players like Lamar Jackson exist and you're responsible in coverage, um, stopping normal runs, but also quarterbacks are going to pull it and, you know, take off around the edge. You have to be so disciplined, but also ready to react to stuff. Like, it, it, people always talk about cornerback being so difficult. I think linebacker in this day and age is one of the most difficult positions to play in football. I mean, it sounds like a broken record every week we say this, but you know, if there's a better place to be, I don't know it as far as developing a player like Queen than Baltimore, just because, firstly, of the coaching staff, the you know the defensive history that we have, the fact that um, Ray Lewis sent him a uh, cameo telling him how to <laughs> how to play better. Um, so if he can't make it here, he probably can't make it anyway. I mean, my. my um, disappointment with Queen, as you just alluded to, was was certainly the sort of uh, some of the liabilities in coverage last season as well. Uh, and after CJ Mosley, which was kind of the big knock on Mosley, which is yeah, he got a lot of money from the Jets, but a glaring, well, not a glaring weakness, but certainly an element of his game that wasn't the strongest was his uh, was his um, coverage skills. And uh, Queen uh, was, I guess, the guy that was going to 
sort of usurp that and, and and hopefully you know deliver on that level as well. So I hope he. I, I have faith. I think he'll he'll come through and be one of the stronger uh, linebackers that the Ravens have had. He better do. He's on my dynasty league. <laughs> Nobody cares about your fantasy team, Ben. Is, is that a rule? I've, I think I've heard that rule. That is that is the rule of the podcast. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. So we've touched on it a little bit, so let's dive into the game this weekend or last night slash this morning from the um, podcast recording. 20-3 win over the Panthers at Bank of America Stadium. Continues the preseason streak alive at 19, tying Vince Lombardi's Green Bay Packer run of 1959 to 1962. Obviously, the preseason was a lot different then. You probably had your starters playing a lot more and they cared a lot more it's it's an odd statistic but it's definitely trending through twitter and the nfl universe that the ravens are now on this big streak I, I asked this last week i'll ask it again does this matter does it show depth does it show um strong coaching do, do 19 games in a row matter uh, i i think i said last week that it it doesn't really matter it's nice it obviously shows I think the Ravens put a little bit more emphasis on on the depth of the defense and their um and as we spoke about last time that just the amount of defensive backs that that played um I think we said it was 14 or something last last week and and again they they played an awful lot of DBs this this game and some of these players are very good and and they're not going to make it um so no I don't I don't think the streak matters it's it's obviously picked up a bit of steam now people are talking about it and and someone's going to go all out and, and end it. And it wouldn't surprise me, probably, if it's next week. Okay, let's talk about some key takeaways from the game then. Let's, ta- let's, let's start with the defence, which was very clearly the highlight of the game. We had the goal line stop. Their first team had two red zone drives. I say their first team. I think Sam Darnold played the first drive and then the switch for the second. Two red zone drives, which accumulated to no points with... Elliot and Clark performing well is is this a sign that we're back to Ravens teams of old and it's a team that's going to be driven by the defense? Yeah, I think defensively is is where we're leaning uh, at the moment, especially with the issues that we have on the offensive line. Lamar's out, so it's impossible to really gauge the effectiveness of the uh, the offense until uh, he's back in there. Um, but yeah, defensively, um, really really encouraging. I think some of the um, I guess younger players that um, that were kind of um, always solid and, and were you know I'm thinking the safeties here certainly Deshaun Elliott was outstanding and Chuck Clark's a general and both of those were really really strong um, but I think the um, tenacity of the um, the D line the ability to um, put pressure on the passer again was was evident and I don't think we have anything to worry about as far as um, certainly starting defense goes so. Um, it's going to have to lay the wood and, and stop on the goal line once more because that's what we do. Yeah, it's the it's the old bend but don't break defense. We'll we'll let you walk down the field, but as soon as it gets into the red zone, you, you you're going to stop moving. If anything, you're going to start going backwards. So the flip side to the defense is we saw a lot of Tyler Huntley, much to the Panthers' uh, commentary team surprise, thinking it was Lamar Jackson for the first drive, <laughs> but it was indeed Tyler Huntley. He battled adversity early with an early pick, which then was followed by three incompletions. He then had his helmet knocked off his head as he ran out the end zone to try and save a 
save a safety. There was a period in the game where we completed 14 of 15 pass attempts um, and ended up with a pretty strong stat line of 24 for 34 for 187 yards. Used his legs a lot and, and ran the Lamar offense. What do you think, Gordon? Regardless of what happened to Trace McSorley, was, was Tyler Huntley getting this QB2 job anyway? Uh, he was, if it was my choice. Um, I I really quite like Tyler Huntley. I like, he's not... You know, don't know if he's ever going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but he is perfect for what the Ravens need in a backup quarterback. Um, I, I mean, maybe this is a ridiculous claim, and, and maybe people can tell me I'm an idiot for this. If Lamar went down... I think Tyler Huntley can have the Ravens as like a, a 500 or so team, like floating around. You know, if Lamar missed the full season, like a nine and eight, eight and nine around about that. He, he's a he's a really solid athlete. He's not a terrible passer. You know, he's not as good as Lamar in that regard. But the Ravens could build an offense around his rushing ability and limited passing ability that I think would be passable and would have them still floating around the playoffs. Um, Lamar is obviously the player who takes that offense and makes them a Super Bowl contender, but I I really like Tyler Huntley. He didn't run as much last night, Gordon. Do we think that's the coaches telling him, you know, you, no hits, I don't want you getting getting hit. He, he, he ran, I think, two plays in a row and he cut back inside instead of running out of bounds at one stage. And I was sort of watching it thinking, Christ, just get yourself out of bounds, lads. Don't Don't get hit. Would that have come from the coaches or in the, in the game plan, do you think? It, it wouldn't surprise me, especially with the, the McSorley injury. Um, yeah. You know, they don't want to be... If if uh, if Tyler Huntley gets hurt, then they're probably putting in a call to ESPN to ask if Robert Griffin wants to return to football. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they'd said, like, just just don't run. Don't, don't run the next couple of games as much. I mean, luckily, we didn't need um, Tyler Huntley to run as much because... We had what a really good-looking rush attack. J.K. Dobbins started a little slower just as we didn't have the full O-line out there and it hit some tough running. Um, Gus the Bus had a, a decent-looking day hitting people, mowing people over. But the story was, and we'll give a shout-out here to James, who's been on the Tyson Williams bandwagon for a long time, that Tyson Williams looks like a guy, he looks like he's, he's going to fit into that running back three role, play a little bit of special teams. What did you think of Tyson Williams? Yeah, I texted someone during the game and I was like, if the Ravens don't have Tyson Williams as the RB3 in this offense, they're doing something wrong. Um, I just think he, he runs in a way that really reminds me of the way Gus Edwards runs. And like he runs a little bit angry. Like his touchdown run were obviously like pulling himself over the, the goal line and stuff like that. But it's just someone who's going to run into people. Um can make people miss all those things and this is an offense that will give running backs space to run at linebackers and defensive backs and if you're willing to just put your head down and try and mow try and mow over some of those guys um i think you're going to have a chance to be pretty successful i mean there's a lot of uh, justice hill fans still out there that will be quite you know sad to hear those words gordon do you think uh, think this is the end for justice I think it might be. Um, his big thing is, I think, and, and I could be wrong on this, but I think he played a fair amount of special teams before, and I think that's that's potentially where, you know, this this is an organisation that plays value in guys who can contribute there as well. Um, and, you know, that that probably is his, his way of trying to save himself as the RB3 in this offence. Um, 
but it's just something for me that I think Williams is kind of putting himself a little bit out there in front of him. So another player that's, I think, very quickly going to become a household name in Baltimore Ravens fans, especially in the UK, is Josh Oliver, tight end from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had, for the most part, a pretty good night. There was a, a horrific fumble that um, in the red zone that cost the Ravens a drive, but Josh Oliver looks like he is going to fit into this offense and he's going to catch a lot of passes over the middle and and be an important piece for us. What what do you think, Ian? Yeah, uh, watching watching the game last night, it looked like a very Baltimore Ravens game of the last couple of seasons. They played good defense. They ran the ball. Occasionally, they threw it to a wide receiver. But more often than not, they were throwing it to the tight ends. And um, Oliver had himself a good night, apart from the, the fumble. Uh, led, led the team in receptions, seven receptions for about 50 yards, I think. Of those seven receptions, I counted four of them went for first downs um he was all, always at the chat always at the markers sorry uh and this is a guy that the, the jags drafted pretty high um third round pick 69 overall i think it was um and it just had some some horrific injury luck um so he looks like he he might work out the ravens have been looking for this third tight end since they traded away hayden hurst um and I think if he makes the if he makes the roster, we we owe the Jags a seventh round pick. So very very little risk in this in this move. And I like the guy. Well, I think there's going to be a way that we can get that um, seventh round pick back, or possibly even stretch as far as a fifth round pick. And that is with Jake Verity. Obviously, Joe Sly Joe Sly went out and had a pretty rough start to the game, and Jake Verity came in and did what he needed to do to for EDC to turn it into a late round draft pick. Do do we think he's think he's getting traded this week, Ben? Well are the Vikings interested? Just tell them we've got a kicker <laughs> whose name begins name begins with a V and provide them they can work their phone correctly this time, unlike the draft a few years ago. Maybe uh, they can give us a nice fifth round for it. I mean it's 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 not to be uh, sneered at really. I mean, you know, the the the, the uh, yeah, the the weight of uh, confidence that a reliable kicker gives you can't be underestimated. It, and uh, yeah, we learned it between kind of between uh, you know Stover and and and, and Tucker um, with that you know Cundiffield goal that Gordon alluded to earlier on as well. And oh, extra extra point, sorry, it wasn't even a field goal, was it? So um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, it, it, it's we've seen you know teams this seasons go down toilets. We've seen you know so many kickers fired over the last couple of years and dropped after irate coaches. And I think the pressure's never been higher because of that social media that we were alluding to before about, you know, they, the confidence goes um, and uh, he's, he's not put a kick wrong, has he? No, I don't think, I don't think he's missed one yet, has he? I don't think so. And he hit, you know, it was a, I mean, it was a, a good 50 yarder last week. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's he's looking good. You learn from Tucker. The problem is, I'd worry for him when he leaves Tucker, because Vedvik kind of fell apart, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't make the team, did he? Did he make the t- did he make did he make no, the team? He didn't, he didn't even make the didn't even make the regular season roster. This this is where like anyone who's a Ravens fan should just feel so grateful for the the stability the front office has that they always find so many little edges, like being able to 
trade players. That this year maybe it's not even the kicker. If you look at the Ravens' defensive back depth, the Ravens cannot keep enough defensive backs. Who like some of the guys who they would have to cut would be the third cornerback, maybe the fourth, on a good number of NFL teams. So those are guys that you can maybe trade for like a fourth or fifth round pick when it comes cut down time. Yeah. Just something, uh, a player to mention that probably hasn't been mentioned enough as what it should have done is Nick Moore, um, the long snapper. Obviously, we, we lost Morgan Cox this offseason and there was a lot of talks about how that changed the the Wolf Pack and what the, the Ravens special team triplet looked like, but he hasn't really missed a beat, has he? I think every punt's gone off right, every kick's been good and that's a, a good sign for Jake Verity that the, the snaps are coming in correct and it was the right decision to move on from Morgan Cox when the Ravens did as as they're so good at doing, knowing when to move on. You know, not just talking about the Wolf Pack, but I mean, we should give a shout out to Sam Cook for that fantastic punt from the back of the end zone when he had, you know, about three yards to work with last night and he, he kicked it about 60 yards. Yeah, I think he had a couple of, pl- of 60 plus yarders last night. But mm. A really good, really good day out for Sam Cook. Um, so, just touching on um, the rookies before we move on to uh, looking ahead to the game against the football team next week. Um, Tylen Wallace had a big play. Um, a defy away seemed to um, be a little bit quieter this week. Um, what do you think about the overall rookie performance? Uh, I, I thought the rookies did okay. Um yeah, I, I'm amazed. Sorry, I'm amazed we've got through that without you doing your yeah. away man. Try the, the second, uh, the second mention we've got through. So I you're might edit, me I might edit it back. But in. I, I, <laughs> I thought I thought he did okay. Um, I I mean, it it was pretty late. I wasn't watching the game all, all that much to be just focusing on the rookies. But I like this class. Um, I, as I say, I think the, the the I keep going on about this defensive back the depth. Um, and I think the, the the two guys they got. I'm not sure that uh, Wade got an awful lot of playing time last night. Um, so that's maybe something to keep an eye on going forward. How much he plays in in the next game. Um, I thought uh, Hayes Hayes did well again on the edge. I really like that pick. The more the more James talks to me about him, the more the more I'm I'm liking that pick. So yeah, I thought the rookies did okay. What did you think of the rookies, Gordon? Yeah, I, I think you're you're right to look at the defensive backs. I think Ardarius Washington's a guy they got as an undrafted free agent, and I really liked him in college um, and thought he looked pretty good last night. Um, had a nice pass breakup. So it wouldn't shock me if either him or Sean Wade finds like a toe injury in the next two weeks that just so happens to keep them out for the full season because, as we've touched on there, the Ravens just can't keep as many defensive backs as our you know, NFL caliber defensive backs on this roster. Um, so if you can stash a couple of those guys, you know, that's potentially where there's going to be some savings. Um, again, similar to you, I, th- I thought away wasn't as impressive last night. He's always, this season for him is going to be about Wink Martindale putting him in positions to win. And I think he's probably not going to get that exotic with it in preseason. Um, and, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily think he has to be a great player as a rookie to be productive because of the way the Ravens move things around on um, on defense. I don't think we've seen. Have we, I don't think we've seen any Justin Houston or Calais Campbell yet. Have we? I don't think have they recorded a single snap in the preseason. 
Houston, I think, had about three last night, and Campbell was about seven. But it's like very, very limited. But the other, I mean, going back to to the rookies, because we haven't seen Ben Cleveland yet, and a lot of people have been awaiting the sort of this behemoth on the line to somehow fix the interior, which may be uh, over optimistic at this point uh, with where he is in his development. Um, but I mean, what? This isn't a quick answer, really, Gordon, but. Where do the Ravens go with their line right now? I mean, it's, it was a bit all over the place last night. We had Makari starting at left tackle to start the game. Villanueva didn't look too solid. Um, I'm not going to get into the sort of backups because Andre Smith is literally a human turnstile nowadays. I'm not even <laughs> sure uh, if he's just waiting for them to say, look, here's the money, leave now, please, and don't come back. But... Um, what I mean, obviously, we know that if Stanley goes down, we've got severe issues anyway. Um, but I mean, what do you make of the current line, and and how do you see it, you know, really going as far as week one? So I think, assuming everyone's healthy, you're you're locked in at tackle. You've got Stanley on the left, you've got Villanueva on the right, and you just hope that Villanueva can make that transition over to the other side. And with this offense, you know. Players aren't going to need to be world beaters. They can be good, solid players, and it'll be okay. The interior is where it gets really murky. And even if you take the 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 good on the interior, Kevin Zeitler can be a, a massive improvement over what they had last year in the interior. However, I think people can be a bit overly optimistic there because him at his best is still a step back from where Marshall Yanda was two years ago. Um, like Marshall Yanda should be a first ballot Hall of Famer um, in what, four years' time. Uh, and then you go to left guard. I thought Ben Powers looked pretty good last night. Um, I am admittedly a very big Ben Powers fan, despite the fact that he's kind of let me down a couple of times now when I've said I think he can take a step forward here. Ben Cleveland, obviously, we want to see what he can do. In college, he was a bit inconsistent, which worries me. Um, and then I'm a little less high on Bradley Bozeman at centre than a lot of other people are. Um, right now, I am not convinced that he's a better option at centre than um, Tristan Colon Castillo, uh, and I think there's a lot of people who thought just move Bozeman in from move him from guard to centre, and it'll be fine. Um, I, I just I don't I'm not sure there's more than a kind of solid meh um, NFL player in Bradley Bozeman. As the um, casual football watcher of the group, um, last week. James pointed out the matchup to watch in this game was going to be uh, Brian Burns versus Villanueva. So it was pretty disappointing for the fourth or fifth play to see Brian Burns take the quarterback to the floor and thought, well, that's probably not a very good, <laughs> not a very good sign that the O-line's where it needs to be. So um, as you say, we're missing Ronnie Stanley and when that comes back in, we'll hopefully it'll glue itself together in the first couple of weeks. But um yeah, Brian Burns was, well, all the front seven was seeming to have their way with um, our O-line and the run the run game was hard, just as hard as the passing game. Um, in terms of, let's look forward to next week. Um, is there anything else on the uh, Panthers game that we want to go over? I think we've touched on all the key takeaways and key moments. Is there anything else? I just want to say a mascot for the UK Ravens or a sponsored player of the UK Ravens should be Nigel Warrior because he's called Nigel. <laughs> his, his, surname's, his, his surname's Warrior and he led the, he led the team 
with four tackles. So I think we should give a shout-out shout to Nigel Warrior because it looks like he's going to nail down that sort of third safety spot there and uh, well-deserved because he's, he's been impressive in pre-season. Nigel Warrior, officially the first ever UK Raven of the game. That's an in-season um, award that we're going to be offering that we've, we've, we've done the pre-season. So congratulations, Nigel Warrior. We will get your trophy in the post tier. Um, you will have it by February. I'd imagine. Asterisk, asterisk, no, we won't. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a couple of couple of quick ones before we jump off this game. Um, one on Twitter, can can people stop calling for um, coaches to get fired in pre-season? <laughs> we're, we're not going to pull out like exotic blitzes like Gordon said, and we're not running, you know, offensive trick plays. So let's knock that on the head for starters. This, you know, I don't need to see that on my Twitter. Thanks very much. Um, and, and just before the half, I thought it was interesting. Um, the Ravens calling a run play with no timeouts left. Do we think that was just to set up a sort of Justin Tucker field goal against the clock? See how things are working. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it, it, it looked that way, which is you know um, typifies Harbaugh always now thinking on his feet. I think in the early days there was some time management issues with Harbaugh, but he's um, he's really really. Um, tightened up um, over the last few years and uh, yeah I think that was a a great dress rehearsal for a real life situation and they executed it perfectly and and last thing as well can we just pronounce our wide receiver Devin surname how do we say that Duvernay right Duvernay (laughs) (laughs) send that send that to Steve Smith's buddy Duvernay I I tweeted I don't think um, Tony Romo's got much to worry about with Steve Smith in the in the booth so (laughs) One of the one of the joys of preseason is the questionable commentary when you're playing away at someone else, and they don't know half the players, and it's it, it's such a fanboy home booth that you might as well watch it muted because you're just not going to hear any you're not going to hear anything about your team. It is just so so home bias. It's ridiculous. Apart from the Arizona Cardinals, who have a guy who sounds very similar to Jesse the Body Ventura from the old wrestling days. <laughs> he has like, and it, he's absolutely a homer when it comes to it, but he just sounds really excited for everything. He's got this proper deep voice. And I would encourage everyone, if you get the chance to catch five minutes of a Cardinals home preseason game on Game Pass, do, because the voice is incredible. That's a great tip. We should, we'll get on that, because they just played the Chiefs, didn't they? But then were they at home, that one? I think that was uh, Monday Night Football Cruiser. Ah, okay. So this week we go to the Washington football team um, to FedEx Field, which I believe is one of the least good stadiums in in the US. Am I correct in saying? Um, Couldn't possibly come. <laughs> um, we aren't no stinky Redskins fans around here, and we're going to play the football team. The same question that I asked last week: Are we are we going to see any? Lamar Jackson. I, I think so. Uh, I think it'll probably depend whether or not we see any Ronnie Stanley. That would probably be my answer to that. If we see some Ronnie Stanley, we will see some Lamar Jackson. Uh, if Patrick McCarry is starting at left tackle, Lamar Jackson is not out there for Chase Young running them down. Would be my prediction there. Yeah, because the football team are going to as any team well they're going to look for an excuse to wax him because is is there and is 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 going to be the, well 
hopefully going to be the MVP again. So everyone's going to try and take the shot. So I wouldn't like to think he was going out against the O-line that we put out there um, against the Panthers. What should we what should we look for in this game against the football team? Are we we sort of briefly had this discussion last week um, in terms of starter play. What do we think in in terms of how long are we going to see the starters out there? Where we would usually have obviously the fourth week, which is is no longer there due to week seventeen. We've we've got the bye week before um, we go to the Raiders on the fourteenth of September, I believe. Yep, well, 14th of September for us, the 13th of September for them. How much of the offense do we see? Or are we getting a, a huge helping of Tyler Huntley again? Yeah, it, it's difficult, isn't it? As we spoke about last time, just to, you know, it's, it's all new this year. We don't really know how the how the teams are going to go about it. I, I totally agree with Gordon. Um, I don't want to see Lamar out there behind that line. The, the Washington front is no joke. They're, they're one of the best in the league. Um, and... I'd be worried enough with Stanley out there and the rest of the guys. So um, I'd like to see Lamar. I'd like to see him get get a couple of couple of drives, couple of series, but I, I'm not convinced we will um, wrap him up in cotton wool. Let's let's get to the Raiders and go from there. The football team defense is, is going to be an incredible unit this year, isn't it, Gordon? Yeah, like that. That is arguably the best defensive front in football. Um, Chase Young was incredible as a rookie. Um, you've also got Jonathan Allen in the interior. They've just got guys that can routinely beat you in a number of different ways. Um, and I think that's going to be a good test for the Ravens' offensive line, uh, especially in the interior. One of the, One of the things I'm most interested in is, in terms of, don't know how much we'll see starters across the board for the Ravens but I would imagine the interior offensive line that they put out to start the game against the football team will be the offensive line, the interior offensive line they have in mind for the Raiders game um, so I think that might be a good indication of who the who the starting three there are going to be um, so I'm really interested to see that and it's going to be a, a very very tough test for them And what do we expect out of the defence against that um the weaker side of the ball for Washington. Um, what are we expecting from the defense, Ben? I don't think we have to. Uh, it, it's interesting because I think some teams are are looking at dressing starters for the, or not dressing starters, but playing starters for pretty much the entire first half of this week three game. It's it's been difficult to gauge from team to team uh, how they're going to play. But I, I, I don't think we we need to. Um, necessarily dedicate that much time to certainly the defensive starters this week because health is more important than anything and I think they've proven throughout camp and in the first two games that um, there aren't too many concerns there it's, it's more about um, actually getting the the second and third tier guys as much playing time as possible just to um, sort of separate the um, kind of embarrassment of riches we have in certain areas um, and make sure that we take those right guys going forward into into the Raiders game so um it's you know it's 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 difficult to I mean last week I, I said that I thought there'd be more starters playing in in week two but uh, it's it's tough to to see which way Harbour's going to go on it I'd like to see um, uh, yeah a bit more um, we we mentioned before that you know the likes of of Campbell haven't had um, too much playing time and it's good to get those reps but 
um, I, I don't think it's going to. Uh, it doesn't really matter um, on on defense. I'm more concerned about that offensive line and um, and how that's going to match up um, against a, a very tough test. Do we um, do we get twenty in a row, Ian? Do we go to do we do we break the record and do we end up with twenty in a row? Uh, I don't think so. I think this is. I'm, I'm going to say end of the line here. I think it's it's becoming a thing now. It's you know it's it, it, it's on TV shows. It's on it's on Twitter. Um, I, I do agree. The Ravens the Ravens depth is probably going to carry them, and, and has done so far. Um, but no, I'm going to I'm going to say this is where it ends. Do you think that that it's it's interesting. I mean, with the with the Washington, Baltimore. They say it's the battle of the Beltway, which it, it really isn't because the Beltway goes round Washington, and it would be the battle of ninety five probably, if anything, um, or two ninety five. Uh, but um, the uh, uh, you think it do you think it, it means something to the to the fans? My experience always was that it meant more to Washington fans than it did to Baltimore fans. That that kind of rivalry. There was some underlying bitterness there. That wasn't necessarily reciprocated on the Ravens' side, but um, yeah, do you think it would be a, a it would be a bit of a bitter pill for the local fans to have to swallow if uh, if the Washington fans are saying we ended your preseason streak? I mean, I think it's it probably highlights how much success the football team fans have had over the last two decades. That you know they'd maybe hang a banner over stopping the Ravens' preseason win streak at nineteen. I'd, I'm interested to see. Like, I think Harbaugh will want to win. I think he'll care quite a bit about that. And I think they'll probably preach to the team a lot this week about guys going out there and, you know, it's not, it's nowhere near close to the most important record in the world. But it's a little bit of history. It's one that's going to be very difficult for anyone to repeat. Would take about seven years now with three preseason games. Um, I, I think they'll win. I, I think they want to and I think they'll, I think they will treat it as such that they'll have enough to to pull away in the second half so god and we usually ask um james this as our resident in-house tape guy um every week we try and give the more casual uk ravens fans a player or a matchup to watch that isn't just the quarterback throwing the ball to a wide receiver again we've gone over that we don't know how much we're going to see the starters or anything like that but is there a matchup that a casual fan should be looking out for this week to to show how well the Ravens are doing. I I'm going to go back to something we've talked about a couple of times, and it's the the Ravens' defensive back depth. Um, I think if everyone wants to see guys who are going to be fighting incredibly hard when you get into that second half, focus on the cornerbacks and safeties because there are players there who are fighting for not a lot of roster spots. Um, and there are guys there who will be smart enough to know that they aren't just playing for roster spots on the Ravens. They're also putting themselves in the shop window for other teams when inevitably some of them are cut in a couple of days' time. Um, so I think if you focus on the defensive backs, focus on guys like Sean Wade or Darius Washington, um, even a guy, I, I, I don't have any expectation that he would be cut or traded, but Anthony Averett, is a guy who's kind of always been that cornerback four in Baltimore, you know, and he's going to go out there and I think want to make a statement just to make everyone aware that he is behind those top guys. He's the next man up. So just touching on the on the defensive backs, 
obviously you mentioned Anthony Averett, who I guess is, yeah, sort of a little bit on the cusp. Will he make the team? Will he not? Another player for me, Tavon Young, who seems like an incredible player, but how many snaps have we seen out of him in the regular season? Is he someone that actually might be a surprise cut and one of the younger guys steps in and takes his spot, do you think? I don't think he'll be someone who's cut now, but that's one of the reasons why I think it wouldn't surprise me to see Sean Wade have a cheeky little toe injury that keeps him out for the full year because Tavon Young's contract, obviously, I think it was like a four-year deal at the time, will be, what, two, three years into that. I think it's something that if they can stash a guy this year, they might look at Sean Wade, maybe Brandon Stevens, as his replacement next year. You you might have seen on Twitter this week, Gordon, there was quite a bold claim about the Ravens' DBs made. That, uh, is, that, is this Adam? Uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce Adam's surname. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me either. But yeah, he, he came out with uh, the Westry is, might be the third best corner. Do you, are you in that camp or are you... No. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I quite like Chris Westry. I think he's a he's a pretty solid player, but he is like, a, you know, he's maybe trying to be the Ravens' fifth cornerback, sixth yeah. cornerback. Yeah. Um, I would, and I think I think he was probably really meaning four because he was including Jimmy Smith as not being available. I think you know the obvious top two. Um, I then think you have Jimmy Smith, you have Anthony Everett, you have Tavon Young. It's really tough for one of those young guys, be it Chris Westry. You know, Brandon Stevens, those guys to to get above those um, above those guys there. So that's going to be really interesting to see if other teams float around those players and if there is some fifth or sixth round picks that come the Ravens' way. In something that James has mentioned in the past is DB has been a, a fluctuating position over the years of how many the Ravens have kept on the roster. Just from what you've seen, Gordon, how many do you think make the cut? Today, if if the cut was happening today, how many players make it, and which players do you think they are? I want. I think nine or ten, um, and I think I think they'll keep at least six cornerbacks. So, assuming there's no big surprises, those those five guys I mentioned: Humphrey, Peters, Smith, Young, and Everett. I think are the top five, and then. I think Westry might be the sixth guy that they keep. Um, safeties, you're definitely looking at um, Clark, Elliot, um, Nigel Warrior, I think's earned his spot there. Uh, and then I think Geno Smith could be the other guy who comes in as the fourth. The interesting decision the Ravens are going to have is Anthony Levine is a big special teams guy. If Nigel Warrior is going to be the next man up at safety, is Anthony Levine at risk? Um, And I don't necessarily know that they want to get rid of him because he seems to be very well-liked and the team love having him around and he contributes on special teams. And he's a pretty good dime linebacker, dime safety when he plays. But looking at the numbers on that team, it's a little bit tough for for you know, making the case for him fully. The, the numbers is hard because if, if Levine goes and Justice Hill goes, that's an awful lot of special team snaps that, that someone's got to play and take over from. And, and yeah, they're not contributing a huge deal on their side of the ball, but they do on special teams. So. Yep. 
Jordan Richards as well. Is I, I just don't see the numbers for him to make the roster, but he is a big special team safety. Who, you know, it, it's very tough to see how he makes the roster. So there's a, there's a lot to watch in preseason week three, really, isn't there? It it really is the the battle of who's going to make the roster and who isn't. So um, even as a, a casual fan, there's a lot for the UK Ravens crew to to get behind and stay up and watch. So we will be back with you next Thursday, which will be the 2nd of September, uh, where we're going to update you on any new Ravens news. We're going to look back at the Ravens versus the football team in preseason week three. And then we've got a little week break before the season kicks off uh, in Vegas. For us, it is at 1.15am on Tuesday, the 14th of September. Um, I believe we're going to have a special guest on again next week. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. We're um, very excited to be joined by John Minadakis of um, Jimmy Seafood, the owner and CEO of Jimmy Seafood, who uh, have been great supporters of the Ravens over the years. They're now in M&T Bank Stadium um, selling crab cakes to uh, to Ravens fans. They're in National Stadium, but criminally they're not currently in, in Camden Yards, but um, hopefully that will that'll change in the near future. But it'll be great to get some... Uh, uh, they also do a great tailgate as well before the Ravens game. So it'd be good to get some tailgating and uh, Baltimore culinary tips from John. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. I mentioned last week that we're going to run some giveaways. So with that in mind, as a new podcast, any reviews or ratings that we can get on Apple Podcasts certainly helps us get this podcast off the ground and reach a bit of a wider audience. So in a bid to try and motivate you all to head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review, we've got some stuff to give away. So either Ian or Shane will tweet out from the Twitter handle, and I'll ask Ben to put it in the Facebook group, of a selection of General Ravens merch. We've got some beer koozies, we've got some key rings, we've got some pull-out flags, and a few other bits like that that'll help you support the team um, throughout the season. All we'll need you to do is head to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, rate us hopefully five stars. We'll read some of the reviews out next week and we will pick some winners to receive some merch. So if you could do that for us, that would be fantastic. So we will be back next week. Once again, if you'd like to be involved with the show, please drop us an email at ukravenshow at gmail.com or reach out on either of the social media platforms as we're really keen to start getting some of you guys on and get talking to you through the season. Until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. <laughs>